On today's episode, we talk about after the funeral, the experience of after the food stops coming and the people stop bombarding the house after the death occurs, and the isolation that comes with after the funeral. What to expect, what things maybe to think about when you're dealing with somebody that you've lost or just somebody who's dealing with grief. So listen, tune in. Let's talk about death, baby. Let's talk about grief and mourning. Is it argumental or existential? What's it mean to me? Let's talk about death. Hi, I'm Benny Capal, and I'm a funeral professional. And I'm Nicholas Capal, a psychologist. Hey, Nick, let's talk about death. Let's do it. Today we're going to talk about the topic of after the funeral, Benny Boy Slim. And we're going to talk about maybe some expectations versus reality. So let's put this in perspective right away. So you lose a love of your life. Um, and Or maybe not. Or just you lose someone that, that meant something to you. And then maybe a month down the line or... Uh, two months down the line, you start stop getting those calls. People stop asking you how you're doing. The uh, casserole stop coming. Um, and what what do you do? What do you what are you left with? No, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Doctor Nick, I want to I want to start by asking you f- first. So you have a client come in, and do you notice like a pattern? Is there a certain time where? the after effects of a funeral finally sink in? You know, it's different with everybody. We all know this. Um, death is a very subjective experience. Um, if, if I try to put it in an objective way, most of the people that I see that come for grief and loss, um, it doesn't matter if it was six months, a year, two years, they're still coming with this pain and this hurt. Um, you know, maybe they have guilt and shame revolved around it. Or they're just dealing with anxiety or depression. Widows and widowers always struggle with meaning making. Um, you know, that was the love of my life. That was all that mattered. And I, you know, I focused on being the best husband I possibly could. Now I don't have that wife. So the meaning of being a good husband doesn't matter anymore. So um, that's what I'm saying. Like it, for every case, it's different. You know, if a mom loses a child, or a child loses their parent at a very young age. That's a different experience. But what I always tend to start with is, is I call it the C of grief. And that is sleep, eating, and then exercise. Those are the three big things that most people that are dealing with grief struggle with. Um, they stop eating. Um, they, they have difficulty sleeping, disturbances of sleep. And then because of, I think, both of those then they feel depressed and they don't have energy and therefore they're not exercising. They're just not getting out of bed or, you know, I don't have motivation anymore. And I always tell them, you know, those are the three things you need to focus on right away is to make your physically healthy, right? So make sure you're eating, make sure you're getting sleep. You know, if they're struggling with sleep, we can talk about that. What's keeping you up at night is it that you can't fall asleep or is it that you're waking up with nightmares all the time? That's another focus we work on in therapy. And then the last one is exercise. We all know with depression and anxiety, one of the best things you can possibly do is get up and move. Whether that means you lift weights, you go running, 
you go bike riding, you're lifting your children a bazillion times in the air and throwing them over your head. It doesn't matter. The idea is that you're moving, right? And I also think that's a big thing with grief and loss. I think a lot of people feel stuck. You know, they, they're in this hole and they're trapped. And one thing I always tell people is, is the fake it till you make it idea, right? It's this idea that you just get up, you, you take a shower, you still get up at your nine o'clock, you have your coffee, and then you do something. Whether that's work, whether that's go for a long walk, whether that's just going out and enjoying nature, all this stuff is great. But but the focus I always tend to, first of all, is make sure that those three things are being met. I like that. I like the idea too, and I heard this a lot, that um, make it's something as small as making your bed, Right. It's one accomplishment that you can have for that day. So everything else could go wrong. But at the end of the day, when you get back to that bed, say, you know what? I got up and I made my bed. And you know what? I did a damn good job making my bed, right? And I always thought that was such a unique way of looking at it. You know, we as humans, humans, we as we as humans, we, we always think like, oh, we got to get all this stuff done, right? But if we were in the here and now, which we're, we've talked about before, Dr. Nick, and one one thing at a time, right? Get up, take a shower, you mentioned, make your bed, make a decent breakfast, right? And maybe call somebody, you know, get, get out of your, I, I'm just do, dealing with this alone. But going back to the after the funeral and, and my experience, right? So families, and this is what I usually find this, and this is like Dr. Nick said, it's not everybody, but what I find is six months after the funeral, right? Six months is when a lot of, Families will come back in and they'll come in for another family and I'll be talking to them and they all have a similar situation. Not the same, not the exact same path or pattern, but it's almost like the same things keep getting brought up. And the idea is the funeral happens and and we talked about this, Dr. Nick, you are so in this shock of grief, right? You just lost your loved one, especially if it was a shocking death. And most people don't even really experience grief until after the funeral's done, right? So the first part is like the shock. And then after that, you get, and it's a good bombardment, but you get bombarded. People just stop in at the house. People call you all the time. People email you, write letters, bring over food. Uh, There's a lot of community that is based during the death. The problem that occurs is eventually everybody has to go back to their own lives, right? They got to go back to work. They got to go and take care of their own families, or maybe they're dealing with their own stresses, anxieties, griefs, etc. So what happens is when the cards stop, when the emails stop, when the, the people just randomly showing up stop, which is interesting because people always say like, God, it was a nightmare after the funeral because I had all these people coming in my house. And at the time I was like, just leave me alone. But then what I realized is how beneficial that was because when they stopped coming, it was even more of a problem. Then it is, oh, now I'm dealing with some of these people start their grieving process then because the rest is distractions, the food, the people, the community, etc. And now this house is very empty. It's very cold. It's very quiet. And I'm not sure how to live without that person being in this house, being so boisterous or doing what they were doing. Uh, and, and that's when I find this after the funeral thing happens, right? We have 
hospice nurses, and we have funeral professionals, and we have death doulas, but we don't really have anything for after death, right? Aftercare. We talk about this as funeral professionals that we aftercare. And I think all of us funeral professionals need to be better at it, including myself. I'm, I'm not the best at it, but we should call our family six months to a year down the line and just say, hey, you know, I'm here. Um, I was thinking about you and your family the other day, maybe bring up a story from the funeral or just something that you know about them and say, you know, how are you doing? Or is there any help that I can give you, whether it's sending somebody out to a psychologist or a grief group or um, just to give them something that they can do, right? And that's when I find it. And the problem is then you flip it, right? So the person who's talking to me about this problem, when, when everything stops, when the food stops, there's this this feeling for them where it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be an embarrassment. I don't want to be a burden, right? Because society tells me that I really should be done grieving after six months to a year, right? I should be back to living my life. And now if I tell somebody that, A, it's admitting that I have a problem, which we all know about grief and problems, and I got to actually talk about death. Um, But also, even if they do want to talk about the person maybe the close circle around them doesn't, you know, we don't, we don't want to hear about Jerry anymore because we're, we've gotten over it or, and at least in our minds, you should be over this. So if I bring up Jerry, I'm just condoning you not doing anything with your life. Right. So that's this idea of this, this whole thing where we as, uh, we as humans think things about other people, which may or may not be right. So they're struggling because they're trying to find who they are, but they're basically just starting the race, right? They're just starting that race while they're being told you should already be done with the race, right? This should, this, you should be done grieving. Well, I, I guess I wasn't prepared for this, just like all of us aren't. So this is a really interesting uh, topic because, like I said, I think aftercare needs to be readdressed. And I think we need to have better ways of dealing with it. I always tell families when they come up and go, I wish I could do more for such and so, the spouse or the widow. And I say, you want to do something that's going to really be beneficial to them. Wait a year or wait six months and then randomly show up or bring them food or bring up their loved one. Because that's when I find these people have the most problem is that's the lonely period, right? Their kids had to go back to work or had to go back to out of state um, they're by themselves. And then especially like if it's a mother or father, right, who loses a child. I've heard this and I thought it was uh, such a great idea is get in contact with them during Father's Day or Mother's Day, right? A parent that loses their child, the worst day, they always say this, is on Mother's Day or Father's Day for them or that birthday of that, that individual, that their kid that died. And the reason being is, you know, as a parent especially, we have this like ingrown thought that we are the protectors of our children. Even if it is not our fault that our kid had cancer and dies, we still hold ourselves responsible for the death of our child. So when a day like Mother's Day or Father's Day where everybody's proudly like, you know, we love our mom, we love, you know, we love our dad, and you might be the greatest parent, that day could be horrid to you because that's all you can think of is the... the, the. So it's just, it's just a thought to you listeners out there. Um... But also, be more communicable after six months to a year, because that's when really people are struggling, I find, with isolation and dealing with their own existentialism and their own uh, mortality. 
and dealing with the grieving process. And maybe at this point too, all the legal stuff is done. You know, we've the the last check of the life insurance has come in, or the last pension, or maybe the final to get the name off a title of something. And this could be the last form of their name out there, right? So, as something small as taking a name off a vehicle, to some people may think for this person that might be the last form of documentation with their loved one's name on it. Well, it also brings up a lot of questions, right? So, let's say, for example, you know. Um, Christmas, right? You put stockings up with names. Do you put the loved one's stocking still up? Do you, you know, I, I guess this goes into traditions and stuff, but, but the reality is, is the person that lost that person, especially if it's a widow, widower, um, someone super close to you that you, you, you know, it, it's really affecting their lives. The grief of everything, right? The grief of not being, you know, not having a husband anymore. So not being married anymore and having to explain to someone when they're like, oh, what does your husband do? And you got to say, well, he passed away six months ago. He died. You know, um, and the reality is, is that there's so much that you're not only grieving the death of that person, but you're grieving your lifestyle. Your lifestyle is completely changed, you know? Um, how you report things, how you talk about things. You know, I always had that person to come back and explain my terrible day to. Well, they're gone. So you either A, find someone new that you're going to explain this to, or B, you're just going to come home and talk to your dog about it, right? Or pet, right? So that's the other thing that I don't think people really put into perspective is, is that they, we as human beings want things to run smoothly and in a timely fashion, Right. That's, you know, we have all these timetables set up of, you know, um, you know, diet for six months or whatever. It's always a timetable. It's like, a contro- it's a, well, it's a control. <clears throat> it's a, I want to control everything. Yeah. But but here's the here's the idea. Grief isn't is should never be put on a timeline. It's not a timetable for some people. The day after the funeral, they're OK. For other people, they take that grief to the day they die. Absolutely. And the reality is, is that once we try to quantify death, that's the problem. And I, I think that's the big problem in the science world in general is that we try to quantify death. It's not something that should be quantified. It's very objective. It should be a quality thing more than a quantity thing, right? The reality is, is that when someone loses a loved one, you cannot quantify that experience. You cannot timetable that experience. And that's hard for a lot of people because they want to. We want to quantify everything. I really liked what you said about the, the, the you can't quantify, you can't put a timeline on grief. Because as we know, everybody's grief is different and everybody goes through grief in such a different um, atmosphere and, and um, outcome. But, I, you know, that's that's the tough part. And I feel like... I think the world tries to say, well, the longer it is, you should be healed, right? You should be healing. So six, six months, you should be better a year comparably to six months. You should be better to this. But for some people, they might get worse as time continues. Yeah. You know, you hear that saying all the time, time heals wounds, right? And the reality is for some people, time is just a reality that they're still gone. You know, oh, it's Christmas again without this person. It's our anniversary again without this person you know what i mean like there is so again this is where i think people forget and it's and i don't think they do it purposely 
I think it's just human nature is, is that, okay, that person is gone, dead. It's time for me and to help this person move forward, right? But your, uh, your um, reasoning to help them move forward may not have what they want to do. Maybe they don't want to move past it. Right. That's another thing, too. I think some people, you know, it's this idea of when are you going to find a new partner or someone new, right? And for some of these people, they literally take the vow of, of you know, to death to us part even farther than that. I'm never going to date someone again. I'm never going to do that. How could I put someone in place a bill, right? And the reality is, is that that's okay. That is totally okay if that's what you want to do. But that's not what society wants for you. Right. And they're going to fight you on that because they don't want to see you alone because, again, nobody wants to die alone. Nobody, oh, that feeling, right? And the, the other thing is, is that six months down the line, a year down the line, if Kathy is still talking about her dead husband, people don't want to hear it. Like, they don't want to be reminded day in, day out that death is coming for them. Mm -hmm. Again, it's the shying away from talking about death and the reality that we're all going to die. And I also think that that becomes a very isolating experience for a lot of widows and widowers is because people don't want to talk about Jim anymore. Right. Like, Jim is just a reminder that we're getting old and we're going to die. So let's not, it's the same reason why people don't like to see the funeral director at Kroger. You know what I mean? Like, can you stay at your, can you just order out? Like, why are you here? Um, But it's, do you eat? Funeral directors eat? It's this, do you just consume souls? Yeah. um, (laughs) But, but it's the reality, right? And I think it's an unconscious thing a lot of the time. I, I don't think people purposely, you know, they don't care. It's not like they're being like, oh, well screw you, get over your loss. I don't think it's that. I think they want to see that person happy. Right. And their timetable is not it's not mapping up to the other person. It's, it's, it's aggravating themselves more than it's aggravate. They're aggravated by the person. It's, we want to see you happy. And yeah. And but we, the rea- realization, this person may never be, in their minds, happy again. Mm, that's tough. Because that's after I lost the love of my life, how dare me be happy? Well, and there's also, Dr. Nick, that, that survival guilt, too. You know, I, I hear this all the time. Well, I'm, I'm 92, and why am I still here? And I've lost two sons. I've lost my husband. I shouldn't be here anymore, right? So you're right. For some people, that is a life, lifetime of, of grief, right? It's, it, there is no. So I think what we're really trying to get at is just, you know, be open with the idea that, Maybe they they haven't healed. Maybe time doesn't heal. Be open to the idea that you may just need to be uh, aboard, right, for this person to talk to, or just be there, right? One thing I want to leave everybody listening to today, because I know there's a lot of people out there that feel this way, because I hear it with a lot of my clients, is this idea of why am I not over this death? Am I crazy? No. You are absolutely not crazy. You absolutely are dealing in the grief process. And that means you really, truly love someone. And I'm going to say this. Not all of us have someone that we truly love. So to have that is a beautiful thing. But the realization is if you do have that, it's going to hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And you are not crazy. And stop listening to people when they say that because you are not. But... With that being said, there is help out there. And if you need it, 
look for it because it's there. Email us. I can send you referrals, whatever you need. Realize that there is people out there that are wanting to talk about this stuff with you. You are not alone. And more power to you to to be feeling hurt because that means you truly love someone. Yeah, you the listeners out there, if you've had an experience like this where six months, a year, a year, two years, five years, and you felt that way, you felt like I'm alone, I don't know what to say, I have this experience or I know somebody, feel free to email us. We'd, lo- we'd love to hear from you or maybe things you said or did to help your, either your experience or somebody else's experience go through the grief. So you can get a hold of us at let's talk about death pod at gmail.com. Well, Dr. Nick, I think, I, I think we, did, we did some work today. And I think we got some Q and A's. Q and A, Q and A, everyone loves that Q and A. All right, Benny Boy Slim, here we go. Do this Benny Boy Slim stuff. I don't know. I like it. Slim I'm going chips. with it. Right. You want Benny, and I'm not the biggest fan of that, so I'm going to go with Benny Boy Slim. All right, here we all go. All right. I listened to your episode on hospice, and of course, all of your other ones. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, listener out there. My dad recently got diagnosed with terminal cancer and is now under hospice care in my home. I'm not sure why, but I am already so terrified of how it will be when he passes away. I keep thinking about the aftermath, and I've always been very frightened to attend funerals and viewings. Not to mention, I will be terrified of my own home knowing he passed away there. What is the best way to approach it? My heart pounds so fast every time I think about it. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you, uh, listener, for giving us such an in-depth question. I, I know this was probably struggling for you to even write to us, so I really appreciate uh, the honesty and the openness of this. Dr. Nick, I'm going to answer this in the way, the best way I can. First of all, I want you to think of this when you think about bringing your father in with terminal cancer. You are giving your father an extremely well gift. Not everybody gets the, the opportunity to be able to die with their values and with their loved ones surrounding them. You are giving your father the opportunity to go through this final step with the people he loves most. That is a huge, huge gift. So one way I would say is try to look at this experience not in a scary way but in how is this helpful to not only my father but to me and i really want to start with that how you're giving him a gift a lot of a lot of others have to you know go to nursing homes and they don't get an opportunity to be around their family a lot this is a great way to have some very very in-depth Uh, time with your loved one. So I want you to start with that. Another thing too is instead of thinking about the last last step of this, right? You you keep dwelling, I think, on just the death itself. You're going to have some very, very in-depth time with this individual. Make the most out of this time. And I know that's easier said than done, but try to put some good memories and experiences into this. Do things that you that you wouldn't have done with this time if you didn't have this time. Make memories so when that day comes, those memories will help uh, bridge 
uh, over a lot of that fear that you have. Remember that you gave them this gift because I really do think this is extremely well gift. And in in and yes, there's going to be some struggling parts of this. I'm not. I'm, we're not. We're not not being humanistic about this. There is an experience of that that is that is tough and it's hard to watch. But I think it's more rewarding. I ha- I have had the opportunity. I'm not going to speak for Doctor Nick, but I had the opportunity of watching my. Uh, grandfather take his last breaths and experience life the last couple days of his life. And I'll be honest with you, I thought it was a very rewarding experience. I had no idea what to expect, and I'm a funeral professional, I'll be honest. And I, I, I loved it. I loved it because for me, it was a way to really see through the lenses of some of the families that I take care of. Uh, so I, I really think it's going to be a rewarding. I, I think you're going to get a lot more out of it than you think. Um, I, I, I see here that you, you, you have trouble with the funeral itself. you you have a trouble with the, the viewing and the funeral. And I, I'm sorry that you never had, uh, in my, in when I'm reading from this, a good enough experience where that wouldn't be your outtake. Um, but I, I'm, this could be very different of, this could be the situation that turns your whole, uh, aspect on the funeral and the viewing. Uh, I know you're afraid about, now knowing that your dad died in your house, but yet again, if you can flip it to the positive side of he died here, but he died the best way he could. And how, I know it's hard to see, but that is extremely beautiful to be able to die in a very safe and welcoming environment. And there's no other place better than a home, especially if it's surrounded by your family. Dr. Nick, your thoughts? I want to first start and and to normalize this for you for you a little bit. Absolutely nobody wants to see someone that they love die. It's it's painful um and it's the loss of a part of you. If you truly love someone, you lose a part of you. When you're talking about being terrified and your heart racing, to me that speaks to anxiety, right? And death anxiety is real. Not only are you dealing with the anxiety and the fear of losing your dad, but you're also confronting the idea that this could be me one day. And that is a real fear. And that is, I want to say that it's okay. It's okay to have that fear. With that being said, one thing that might help you with this is just being there for your dad and, and using as much of this time you have left to talk to him. And open conversations with them. One thing I all, we've already said on previous episodes, but I want to re-explore this for a second. One thing that you can really truly, a blessing that you can do for your dad is actually talk about the death with him. Ask him how he's doing, how he's feeling about this. This isolating feeling of I'm going to die and everybody's watching me go. Um, it could be a very blessing um, for you guys to have that conversation. Not to mention, you can already start talking to him about what his desires and wishes are going to be for his funeral. What does he want? And that might actually help you with the funeral is knowing that you did everything you possibly could to make it a beautiful day for him and to remember him. But also one thing I want to throw out too is is that remember that day is for you too. You are grieving the loss of your dad and that is scary and that is very uh, painful, but realize that your dad wouldn't want you to be 
terrified and he wouldn't want you to be unhappy. And um, anything we can do as professionals, meaning funeral director, funeral professional, and uh, therapists and psychologists out there and social workers, all these people that are willing to help you through this process. Um, it's okay to feel terrified about coming back to the house and, you know, going into the room where your dad, you know, died. It's okay. Um, that's normal. Um, but with that being said, there's also a lot of help out there. And um, this is going to be a process for you. We can, I, I can hear the pain when I just read your question. I can see that you're already terrified. You're already hurt. And the thing is, is that to me, that tells me again, how much you truly love your dad. And that's a beautiful thing because um, not all of us have that experience in their life to truly love someone. So I also want to give you that. I think it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, I, I hope this normalized your question a little bit. The answer is, is this isn't going to be easy. You know, you are losing your dad and you truly love him. But remember, I, I do agree with what Ben Benny said. You are giving your dad a blessing to be able to help him and to be there when he goes and hold his hand and talk to him because hopefully one day when you're on your deathbed someone's doing that for you and that's a beautiful thing. And I want to I want to end with one more thing Nick and and it's not in your question so I'm kind of throwing a caveat in it but if there's anybody else who's listening if there's children involved if you have children let them please experience this with you. Do not lie to them and do not hold them back. You can help the process with your children if you let them experience this huge, huge experience um, the way that they want to. So I just ask if you have children, please, please think of them and let them experience it. Don't hold them back. This is their grandfather or this is their uncle, and they might want to really, really be a big part of it. And for them, that could be everything. If anybody else has questions out there or thoughts, even on this question that was uh, presented to Dr. Nick and I, please feel free to email us at letstalkaboutdeathpod at gmail.com. And also don't forget to subscribe and, and keep listening in. We, we love to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions of episodes. And, and absolutely, we want more questions. And yeah, if you can leave us a review, especially on uh, Apple Podcasts, that would be very, very helpful and helps us out. And the more we, we can get, we can do for you, the better, better it works out for everybody. So if you're not talking about death, you are not living. Thank you.